What inspires us to do what we do? What gives us the drive to create impact? How do we achieve determination that is fierce yet calm and steady? My guest and I will be talking about the importance of being unique, being authentic, beating imposter syndrome, and lots, lots more. But who is my guest today? He is dynamic, brilliant at anything digital and knows the heartbeat of businesses better than most. There's a lot of hype around his business that aims to bring the entire business society together. We're joined by Ryan Jenkins. Ryan's passion for digital marketing came from the need to bring trust back to the industry. He is the CEO and co-founder of the Hype Society. I'm so thrilled to welcome Ryan to our podcast. So it's my pleasure to welcome Ryan Jenkins to the show. Ryan, how are you doing, mate? Wonderful, thanks. How are you, Shrey? Very well, very well. I'm really looking forward to this podcast. It's been a while, you know, it's uh, in the making, but now it's finally here. Yeah, man, I appreciate it too. So um, how have you been? Yeah, very well, very well. You know, enjoying some of the, the bright weather and, you know, recording these podcasts is really fun. So I, I look forward to it. And, uh, you know, especially when it's uh, someone like you on the other side, it's I know that we're in for a thrilling ride. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. You know how this works. So, you know, with all our podcasts, the guest uh, comes on and they kick things off by sharing a couple of things about them. One of them sure. is a fact. One of them is a fib. Only they know. Mm-hmm. And genuinely, full disclosure, I have no idea. Okay. Sure. And so then I go out there on a limb and say, hey, I think this one's a fact. So far, my record's been 50-50. Okay. So let's see how this one goes. You ready? Let's do it. Okay. So I have a sneaker obsession. I have over 100 pairs of, uh, of sneakers in my, in my collection. And I also had a uh, golf game one time where I hit four over par. Wow. So one golf game where you were four over par. That's, um, well, that's quite amazing if, if that is a fact. And you have 100 pairs of sneakers. So exactly 100 or something like that? Exactly 100. Oh. Okay. I, I know you like, I think you like sneakers. I've seen you wear a number of them. Whether you have 100 and... And where would you keep a hundred sneakers? Gee, that's a lot of sneakers. Um, I'm going to go with, I'm leaning towards the golf being a fact and the sneakers being a fib. Wrong. Oh, no. <laughs> Seriously? You have a hundred sneakers? Yeah. Exactly. Probably just over, maybe one or two pairs over. Wow. A century. Oh my goodness. That's crazy. Yeah. So I used to work at Foot Locker and oh, of um, course. Yeah, no, have I a bit of a... Bit of an obsession. I used to have an obsession. I'm now did wearing. They, did they sell off. you all their shoes? <laughs> I used to get pretty good discounts. Um, and then my wife worked at Nike for seven or eight ah. years. So I used to get some good hookups there as well. Great. So from Nike, you get the shoes and the attitude of just do it. Wow. That's I it. love that. That is so interesting. I didn't know that. I try and play golf, but I'm not very good. So not a four over five. Not <laughs> not a, definitely not a four over five. <laughs> <laughs> that is very good. No, thanks for sharing that, mate. Thank you. So tell us, right, you're uh, 
regarded very widely as the expert, as a mogul in the space of digital marketing. How did you get into digital marketing? Mogul. I mean, I'm a digital marketing mogul. I haven't heard that before. But, um, you know, I certainly love marketing. I, I love business. I've been in marketing totally by accident. So, oh. uh, as you know, uh, I worked at Census um, oh. and I was recruited into Census from working into in, uh, in retail at, at oh. Foot Locker as a store manager and assistant manager there. And I got sick of the retail hours, you know, I was underpaid, overworked. (laughs) And um, I was sort of, you know, at the point where I wanted to be more professional with my career moving forward. Uh, My, my father and and grandfather uh, had very long tenures at Telstra. And my dad said, you know, why don't you try and get into, uh, into Telstra? It was great business to work for. And census back then was a subsidiary of Telstra. And I started working with business owners, helping them with directory marketing um, and enhancements to help them get more awareness through print-based marketing at the time. And then moved uh, through the sales channels uh, into training and development uh, through the, uh, through the training and development team. And then into uh, leadership and, and sales management mm. uh, through their sort of print and digital transformation process. And then that led me through more of a digital focus at, uh, at some digital companies that I work for and then uh, progressed into agencies, mm. um, working in their sort of enterprise sales and, and, and marketing space, and then into agency ownership and, you know, startup, startup, uh, startup life and, and business ownership. What a wonderful journey. Great. And, and that's so interesting. I didn't know that your uh, father and grandfather worked for Telstra. And given that your brother also worked for Census, working at Telstra seems like a family tradition. So my grandfather had over 40 years. My dad had about 25 years. Uh, me and Brent, my brother, had nine years each. So we had almost 70 years worth of experience wow. at Telstra. So that's uh, a bit of a, a bit of a, a tidbit. I don't know too many families or direct lineage that would have <laughs> the same sort of uh, years committed to one organization. Yeah, that yeah. is extraordinary piece of trivia. I tell you that. And uh, you know, I'm hoping that your uh, you, you, your family has one of the highest uh, shares of Telstra. I hope <laughs> <laughs> we all still have some shares in Telstra. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Good to hear. So what what exactly about this whole field of digital marketing and working with other businesses, what exactly is appealing to you? I love the rapid impact you can have. So working Mm -hmm. with probably thousands of of business owners now over the last 20 years, I've sort of had the opportunity to learn what works and I have the Mm -hmm. opportunity to try new things too, to, Mm -hmm. to see what's going to um, what's going to have an impact for businesses the quickest. And I think when talking to clients, they know what they want to achieve. Um, they kind of know mm. um, what they think's involved, but it's mm. that it's that guidance, it's the strategic advisory component that I really love the most. And, and I love seeing my ideas and mm. their businesses uh, sort of meshing together to drive yeah. those outcomes that they're looking for. I hear you and I share a lot of those values and which is why I think, uh, you know, it's really a pleasure to, uh, to work with you. And, you know, I really hope that we can do the same, but tell me, uh, you know, with 
you know, with the recent events, and I probably shouldn't say recent anymore. It's been two years since this pandemic mm-hmm. thing happened. But for uh, the major part of those two years, many of the businesses have had their back against the walls, right? Uh, what have you seen in, in these two years? So, you know, those businesses who have, you know, gone against the odds and come out on top and those that have crumbled, what have, what have, they, what have they done differently? So, I mean, the, the word pivot's probably been overused. Mm. Oh, yes. But <laughs> it's, um, it probably is that. It, it, it was probably them, you know, in terms of them, the business owners uh, or people that are in, involved in marketing to, to really assess how uh, the, the pandemic or how the market uh, shifted how their customers did business. Mm. You know, so if we look at the, you know, retail sector specifically, people haven't necessarily bought less. They've just changed the way that they now shop. And mm. with uh, the the boom in the way that uh, people are transacting from an e-commerce perspective, I think that's probably a, a, a case study to show that if you do the same, if you treat your online store the same as you do your bricks and mortar store, then you mm. probably won. Mm. If you didn't, then you probably lost or, you know, learned very quickly that you need to treat your online store as you would your bricks and mortar presence and, and really make sure that your your house is in order, that you understand mm. that the, the impression, the first impression that you're um, providing to to new customers uh, is just as important as greeting the customer at the front door when they come into your bricks and mortar retail store. Mm, very interesting. Very fascinating. Uh, so t- tell me one thing, right? You're, you're a business owner yourself. You know, you've uh, uh, set up and run very successful uh, businesses. I want to talk about the business owner or owners, mm-hmm. okay? Because I believe, and, and I'm sure, you know, we've seen this, that the strength of the organization is directly proportional to uh, the strength from the leadership team or right from the top, sure. from the business owner. Mm-hmm. What kind of mindset should business owners have, uh, you know, during adversity? The least amount of reactional emotion as you can possibly mm-hmm. have. So mm-hmm. accepting information as fact uh, mm. without emotion and and just sort of take it on um, as it is and mm. and think about you know what you need to do um, in with you know with that information that you're sort of receiving because you know if you're layering emotion it's it's potentially having uh, the opportunity for you to have clouded judgment it's mm. potentially forcing you into uh, reaction potentially qu- quicker than what you would have. Um, and if you're executing without thought and planning, then the quality of your execution or the product or the outcome of your execution is probably not going to be in line with your previous experience, nor your expectation and, and outcomes that you're trying to drive. So, um, yeah, I think obviously resilience is is probably mm. critical um, and, and focusing on the things that are going to give you the highest impact in the shortest amount of time mm. and really isolating your focus to those areas that are going to drive, you know, quick benefit. Uh, but sustainable long-term benefit to the business. And, and uh, you know, people use, you know, fail fast and all of that stuff. And it, it's true, um, you know, not to flog a dead horse if it's not working. And I think that's probably critical, you know, to uh, executing um, in a way that's going to give you an outcome and, and not going down the path for too long when it's not reaping the benefits that you would have expected to see. Hmm, interesting. Very fascinating. I think I find that entire interplay between 
thinking and feeling to be very fascinating. You know, that whole uh, interplay between the emotional side and the intellectual side, if you may, mm-hmm. and how sometimes an emotional overload can completely you know, that's it, break the, the emotional capacities for an individual. Mm-hmm. So I think, so well said. So you, you're saying, hey, think without get, letting emotions get in the way so you can make clear, positive decisions uh, at, in times of crisis. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, stress, the stress response is only going to, you know, and it's physiological. It's not just, mm-hmm. um, it's not just a, a thought, like it, it's been proven to cloud your judgment. It's been proven to show that you can't make the right decisions, you know, under, under stress, you know, mm-hmm. that even the chemical reaction that happens in your brain mm-hmm. um, is different to one that um, you have when you're making, you know, the best decisions that you've made. Mm. And I've uh, seen it and I know this for a fact that you really balance, get that balance right. And, you know, when we talk about, uh, you know, intellectual capacities, obviously you're a very, very smart individual and run a very vibrant business, but also from an emotional perspective, I know that you, you know, you, you, you're someone with a very high EQ and yep. what is the role uh, for emotions? Cause we, you know, we know that customers, you know, even if they're businesses, they buy on emotion. Uh, Even if we manage a team, we know that there's a lot going on in an individual's lives and there is that emotional element. So as a a leader and as somebody who is customer facing, how do you you handle the whole emotional side of thing? What is the the place for emotions? I mean, of course, there's a place for emotions. It's it's about, you know, my ethos is about being authentic and the more Mm. authentic that I become, the better version of myself um, that I'm able to give, uh, to my customers, you know, to our team, mm. uh, you know, to our partners, um, you know, it's, it's for me, you know, authenticity, um, is, is the top of my priority list. There's mm. no point, uh, being or trying to be someone that you're not, mm. you know, I certainly suffer, you know, still with, you know, imposter syndrome and, mm. you know, am I qualified to, to do this? And, you know, am, am I really experienced enough to, to do that? And, you know, that's probably my, uh, you know, internal battle that, you know, still, you know, is less frequent, but still there, you know, I still mm. try and push myself into realms uh, that I haven't been in before yeah. that, you know, make me uncomfortable so I can continue to develop. And, um, you know, we've got, I've always had reasonably large aspirations. And as I get a little bit sort of older, you mm. know, they, they, they become more important to me. Like I really want to make an impact. I really want to leave a legacy. I really want to make sure that, you know, people had good experiences doing business with me or working with me or going on a journey with me. And and that's what makes me um, happy and what makes me tick and, you know, what makes me continue to thrive um, and, and continue to push, you know, the business and the, and the team to go further. Um, Yeah. So that's probably what um, I, I would say in terms of, yeah, how I would, sort of do that from a day-to-day perspective and, and uh, yeah, emotion, there's a, there's, there's a use for emotion, but I think it's also about balancing that emotion and not reacting too much. hundred percent. Yeah. I think it comes down to the balance and you've got it down pat. Um, okay. Let's talk about the hype society. Now you're the head honcho at the hype society. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about the journey. How did the hype society come about? Yeah, so the Hype Society came about when we uh, decided. So I had um, we 
decided and my previous business partners uh, decided that um, they wanted to exit uh, the previous business that I founded, Digital Eagles. Um, so that left me, you know, sort of pondering uh, what was awesome. what was going to happen next. So that went through an, an acquisition uh, in June of 2021. So I had um, I had some time to sort of reflect on, you know, what I learned uh, through that business, the position um, that, that I was in within the organization and um, what worked really well in terms of, you know, executing and, and business growth and the value that we contributed to customers, you know, how we developed staff and how we developed the, the hierarchy and the support network around our customers uh, within the organization. The brand that we built, the reputation that we developed, you know, was all, you know, super positive stuff, but, you know, it wasn't all sort of peaches and cream. There were certainly some lessons that I learned. That was mm. the first business that I'd ever run. Mm. Um, we grew rapidly at some points and we went through, you know, sustainability um, <laughs> challenges at other points. Huh. So, you know, all of those things was um, were uh, considerations for me uh, in terms of what was going to happen next. I love digital marketing. You know, mm. that was one thing that I do know for fact. I love working with business owners. Uh, there was a there was a slight disconnect between me and the customer, you mm. know, at uh, at Digital Eagles because of the the, the leadership uh, structure, you know, which I, which I missed. But, um, you know, I, I really wanted to be connected with my customers. We also did a research project, um, you know, I, I think towards the start of 2021. And it really showed me um, the communication and the way people feel was actually more important than the results that they're achieving, funnily mm. enough. Mm. Um, results are critically important. And don't get me wrong, like you need to have sustainability in campaigns and in the value that you're providing but sure. people need to have an experience mm -hmm. people need to have partnership people have to feel connected to the business and the people within the business to have the optimum level yep. of what we would call you know engagement and performance you know and that's what we're really developing here at the hype society it's that strategy engagement and performance and you know our ethos is providing the perfect mix of all of those things so mm -hmm. that the money is ticking along in the cash register, we're having engaging uh, relationships with our customers, but we're also providing them an experience. We're going above and beyond. We're giving them things they're not paying for. We're giving advice above and beyond what the retainers would, would necessarily warrant. But, you know, they're all the things that, you know, get customers to be, you know, at that evangelist stage, mm. which is what we're aiming for with every customer that we, that we interact with. And, you know, I think team selection is obviously really important as well. And, you know, we're even sort of seeing at the moment some of the um, some of the team members that, um, you know, we're, we're interviewing, we're, we we know what what's hype society worthy now. And we're really setting that benchmark incredibly high um, for the future um, to ensure that we can maintain the, the levels of engagement, the levels of um, performance, um, and also the level of experience that, you know, that, that we're seeing at the moment. Indeed. And I think it's fascinating to see it actually, uh, you know, play out because I know that uh, you do set the bar very high and you do cross it as well. And that results in that experience, as you said, for customers, which eventually comes down to a very simple word, trust. I yeah. think they know for a fact that they can trust you, not just to deliver, but also just be on their side. And I think that's a tremendous uh, testament to the business. So well done. Well done to you, Thank you. Uh, and the team. I do want to talk about something 
you know, which is not peaches and cream, <laughs> as you sure. said, right? Conflict. When, you know, businesses often run into conflict, they have all these plans, these goals, but, you know, conflict gets in the way, conflict with team members, yeah. conflict with peers, conflict with maybe with customers. How do you as the leader, uh, you know, approach conflict? Conflict comes in many different forms, right? Mm. It can be a paper cut, um, you know, or, or it's cut an artery that, that, that can't be stemmed, right? So first of all, it's, it's assessing the level um, of the conflict that you're dealing with and then, you know, putting together, you know, whatever the, whatever the right remedy would be um, for, for that conflict. But conflict comes from poor communication or misunderstanding. Really, mm-hmm. um, there's there's not too many people that go out there to purposefully hurt people mm. um, or do the wrong thing or try and create conflict for fun. Mm, it comes yes. down to <laughs> misalignment of of goals, uh, poor communication, um, you know, ego, yeah. you know, all of those you know types of things that you know p- human humans just have emotionally. Yeah. Um, you know, but if people have had the the, I'm going to use the word balls, um, to be honest and, and communicate, then, you know, we wouldn't have a lot of the conflict that exists in the world. Yeah. You know, people aren't honest with each other enough. Yeah. Um, people are scared to tell people, you know, what they, you know, what they think to be true. Um, yeah. and, and I think that, you know, they're, they're sometimes also, um, jaded by, by pride or by ego and, mm. and that sort of clouds what their actual, you know, it, it, it clouds them from seeing what's, what's real and, and what maybe is, is being clouded by those, uh, what are you, what, what, I don't know, like, it's not emotion, but it's a, like those feelings, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of the beliefs get in the way as well. You know, we talk about limiting beliefs, but end of the day, when uh, a B two B business or even a B two C business, the business, the employees, and the customers, and this might sound a bit, you know, cliched and stuff, but it really is a one team, one dream scenario. Absolutely. But, uh, but uh, it only works when people see it that way. Mm-hmm. And um, so, no, wonderful uh, to know. Now, you know, we've uh, we've only got time for one more question, and this has really been fascinating. I always enjoy chatting with you. The only difference is we are recording this. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's how I see it. And uh, so, you know, we always end this podcast with the same question. Of course, the answer varies, which what which is what makes it fascinating. Is according to Ryan Jenkins, what is the one must-have or non-negotiable? for a business to become the next big thing? Uniqueness, I would say. So to, to do something very unique um, and own it. Mm. So understanding what you're going to bring that's new, that's better, or that's different to what people have seen before mm. and really owning that and, and communicating it outwardly and also proving it and delivering on what you say, not just creating an idea and not being able to execute, really owning that uniqueness and point of difference. Mm, so being so unique that you not just stand out, but also go, you know, all the way and deliver on what you promised. Now, wonderful. That's a wonderful trait. And I do agree. It is completely non-negotiable, especially in the industry that we find us, ourselves in. Well, yeah. thank you so much, uh, Ryan. It has been an absolute pleasure as always. Uh, you know, we appreciate you. I know you're busy. So thanks for taking out the time and for sharing all your wonderful nuggets of insights. Thank you. No, thank you. Appreciate the opportunity, mate.